Hello, and welcome to another episode of Objective Health. I am your host, Doug. With me in our virtual studio are Erica, Elliot, and Tiff. Hello. Hello. And today, <clears throat> we thought we'd change things up a little bit and talk about uh, COVID vaccines. Or COVID shots. <laughs> we shouldn't actually call them vaccines, should we? Nah. The COVID genetic therapeutic experimental things. So, uh, it seems like new information is coming out about these uh, every week. So, we're just kind of keeping on top of it as much as we can to talk about the latest info. Um, so, maybe we can start with, there was uh, an article on um, War Room, which is Steve Bannon's uh, 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 show site. Um, you know, say what you will about him. He does have some good info on there for sure. Um, this one was called Dr. Yeadon warns children 50 times more likely to die from COVID vaccine than from virus. So uh, that's a pretty shocking statistic. But um, Bannon was interviewing uh, Dr. Yeadon, who we've talked about on this show before. He's a, a very good doctor. He was uh, worked for Pfizer and has a list of credentials like a mile long. Like the guy is really um, an expert in the field. Um, and he is, you know, he's not actually against vaccines in general. Uh, he's not an anti-vaxxer, uh, but he is against these um, mRNA vaccines specifically, um, mainly because, well, he actually says that they're not necessary. Um, he says that, you know, the only reason that these things were brought out under, were, was under the guise of the fact that there was no therapeutics available for these. But he lists off hydrochloroquine, ivermectin azithromycin and inhaled steroids as being effective at treating coronavirus, so which are being suppressed um, by Fauci and the media and the scientific establishment. So um, he's completely against these vaccines because they are not safety tested properly. Um, and there's lots of evidence that they are causing more harm. Uh, one the, the, the crazy thing that he, he talks about is that children are actually 50 times more likely to be killed by the vaccine than by the virus itself. Um, and, you know, that's basically because um, children essentially aren't um, affected by COVID very much. You know, as, as much as they try to hype it up in the media, um, there's, very, there's very few children who are actually um, uh, affected by COVID or certainly killed by COVID. Um, but even catching it is, is pretty rare. There was actually another article on the BBC uh, called COVID Children's Extre Extremely Low Risk Confirmed by Study. <clears throat> and it was about a study that was looking at um, the first 12 months of the pandemic in England. And it shows that 25 under 18s died from COVID. 25. Hmm. Uh, and they said that those who were killed by it were living with multiple chronic illnesses and neuro disabilities uh, were the ones who were most at risk. Um, though e even that stated overall risk was very low. Uh, they checked England's public health data and found most of the young people who d had died of COVID-19 had underlying health conditions. Around 15 had life-limiting or underlying conditions, including 13 living with complex neurodisabilities. Six had no underlying conditions recorded in the last five years, though researchers cautioned some illnesses may have been missed. Um, Further, 36 children uh, had positive COVID tests at the time of their death, but died from other causes. So really, they shouldn't even be included in these statistics. Um, 
And though the overall risk was low, children and young people who died were more likely to be over the age of 10 and of black or Asian ethnicity. Um, so yeah, getting back to Dr. Yeadon, I mean, what he's basically saying is that kids just simply are rarely and really rarely, not like when they say rarely in the media, like they actually, it is extremely rare for children to die of COVID. But the chance of them dying from this vaccine or these vaccines is actually relatively high. Um, like he says, 50 times more likely to die of the vaccine than of COVID itself. Um, just in general, the deaths that have been reported in the VAERS system, and we've talked about the VAERS system on this show before, um, that's basically the uh, where uh, adverse events from vaccines are uh, recorded in uh, the U.S. Um, and as we've stated before, uh, what is it that it's it's like only 10% of the actual um, uh, injuries from vaccines actually get reported on that database? Anyway, the ones that were recorded, there was 5,000 vaccine deaths recorded in the first six months of 2021. Normally, there are 200 a year for all vaccines combined. Okay. So normally, 200 per year, all vaccines combined. This one, uh, 5,000 deaths in the first six months. So we're talking about half the amount of time um, and a significant Increase. I can't do the math in my head right now. 5,000 compared to 200. There you go. It's a lot. In yeah. other words, more yeah. bang for your buck. And this isn't just data that he came up. He's getting this from uh, U.S. data, like yeah. publicly available data. He's not just making all of this stuff up. So it's quite alarming. And he is not just 50 uh, times higher. He said between 50 and 100 times higher. Ah. So basically, what he's saying is that the vaccine can kill your kids. It's a, it's more of a possibility that the vaccine will kill your child than COVID will kill your child. Yeah. And this is somebody who worked for Pfizer for years and was very happy as an employee of them and found them to be a very decent company. Yeah, that's a really good point, Erica. I mean, this guy was the former vice president of Pfizer, and he explicitly said that he has faith in vaccine science and that he trusts vaccines as a general rule. So it's not like this is just a some random guy or, or some doctor who um, is taking things a little bit too far. This guy is very much uh, embedded within conventional thinking regarding vaccines and vaccine science. Um, and he's really been kind of born in the belly of the beast so to speak he spent uh, a long a long portion of his career at Pfizer um so when you've got someone like that coming out and saying this it must be pretty bad and i would imagine that it's uh, the the evidence that he's using to substantiate his claims is um again it's uh, it's it's they're, they're well substantiated claims now the problem is is that Unfortunately, the data, the publicly pulled data, um, which is on vaccine injury, we know from historic studies, but quite a bit of uh, evidence which is coming out kind of by the day that the um, the uh, the statistics are how many people actually have uh, adverse events is likely massively underreported. Mm-hmm. So it looks a lot better than it realistically probably is in in reality meaning that 
it's potentially far greater than 50 to 100 times um, the risk. And it could, you know, it could be, it could be much higher than that. Yeah. Well, it's always nice when they conclude an article talking about how they're still very pro vaccine. It seems like this new information that came to light will kind of perhaps decrease his confidence in the effectiveness and safety of vaccines, but it's good to know that he still maintains his position despite all of this. Mm. And yes, I'm sarcastic. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I'll just let that go. <laughs> <laughs> There was another interesting article up on Mercola.com, and it has some pretty shocking statistics in it as well. To prevent three deaths, COVID jab kills two. Yeah, to prevent three deaths, COVID jab kills two. What they're basically saying is that for every uh, three deaths prevented by the COVID vaccine, so by getting vaccinated, it actually... the the vaccine itself kills too. So, you know, at this point, like, you know, when you see this one, like from Dr. Yeadon, you see this statistic here from Mercola, you got to kind of ask if anybody is doing like a cost benefit analysis on these things, because it certainly doesn't seem like it. Um, Yeah. In this article, they're basically, so it's saying the, the reported rate of death from COVID-19 shots now exceeds the reported death rate of more than 70 vaccines combined over the last 30 years. And it's about 500 times deadlier than the seasonal flu vaccines, which historically has been the most hazardous. Um, COVID shots are also five times more dangerous than the pandemic H1N1 vaccine. Um, so yeah, to prevent one case of COVID-19 using mRNA shot by Pfizer, the NNTV, which is basically like a vaccine um, death thing statistic, uh, is between 200 and 700. The NNTV to prevent one death is between 9,000 and 50,000, with 16,000 as point estimate. Meanwhile, the number of people reporting, ad- of reporting adverse reactions from the shots is 700 per 100,000 vaccinations. For serious side effects, there are 16 reports per 100,000 vaccinations, and the number of fatal side effects is 4.11 per 100,000 vaccinations. So for every three COVID-19 deaths prevented by COVID gene therapy injections, two die from the shots. So yeah, again, just really kind of stunning that nobody is really publicizing this other than Mercola, who's censored out the wazoo it's like, you know, basically at this point, unless you go directly to his website, you're not going to see his stuff. All social media are basically banning him. Google results, he doesn't turn up in Google results or anything like that. So the only person, he's, he's kind of like holding the line on all of this information that's coming out, but it, it just isn't getting through to a lot of people unless people are going specifically to look for it. So nobody knows this is going on with the shots. You know, everybody's lining up to get their kids injected. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, it's not as if any of this information is very hard to find. Even if you don't specifically look to Dr. Marcola for information, it's just a, a little bit of typing, a few mouse clicks, roughly five minutes to get an alternative view to the vaccines versus what people might 
uh, here on mainstream news every night. Yeah. So it's not especially difficult. No, but you have to be looking for it. Yeah, yeah. It's all over the place if you're looking. Yeah. But if you're not, I don't, I don't, I don't know what else (laughs) can be done. Yeah. But it seems like there's all these people in these positions like Dr. Yeaton and even recently with Robert Malone, uh, you know, working on the mRNA technology that are coming out and at least saying to people, there's some very serious concerns and the concerns, the side effects and the are worse than the actual illness itself. So, Mm -hmm. so as you're saying, Tiff, like the, the basic, you know, you could, you could find that, you know, the, the vaccine isn't really, going to save your life at this point but it could endanger it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's uh it's kind of crazy there was another actual um uh an article that came out it was in the indian express actually it's a kind of more india centric one but it's rare autoimmune hepatitis in people vaccinated with covishield a concern yeah that would be a concern yeah. Uh, autoimmune hepatitis. So it's not a lot of people who are getting this. I think um, I don't see the number on how many people it was. It's not, uh, but it wasn't a particularly high one. But just the the fact that it is kind of uh, something that they've noted um, mm-hmm. and is happening. And this one, if I'm not mistaken, Covishield isn't even like an mRNA one or anything like that. I don't think. Um, and yeah, so. Even the ones that are kind of people are considering, well, you know, if I had to get one, I'd get, I certainly wouldn't get one of the mRNA ones, but I'll get one of the other ones. It's like these ones have their problems as well. Well, if you can. Well, essentially, as we know from all the years of. Go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say all the years that people were getting flu shots and it didn't really work. You know what I mean? Mm. It's it's been what. You know, so it's the same kind of thing, just rebranded. Yeah, more or less. Sorry, Tiff, go on with what you were going to say. Well, if you consider that it's the spike protein that is actually doing the damage here in these cases, I mean, it doesn't really matter if it's mRNA or not mRNA. Mm. Yeah. Well, there was also another article on America's Frontline Doctors, which is actually a good site. That's a good one to actually keep on your radar because um, they're doctors um, who are against the vaccinations, the lockdowns, um, and they're actually putting out very good information covering studies that are coming out. Um, They were covering an urgent British report which calls for complete cessation of COVID vaccines in humans. Um, And it was basically just a press release um, from these uh, British doctors who are um, saying that there is enough evidence now in the of adverse events from uh, vaccines to warrant it being stopped. Cessation of COVID vaccines in humans. Um, They call it an urgent preliminary report of yellow card data which is basically... Um, uh, caution. Yeah, caution, yellow, caution, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, issued by Evidence-Based Medicine Consultancy Limited. Um, 
Yeah, and it, basically what they said is uh, the report signed by Evidence-Based Medicine Consultancy Limited and EBMC Squared CIC Director Tess Lolly says, we have searched the yellow card reports using pathology-specific keywords to group the data according to the following five broad clinically relevant categories, bleeding, clotting, and ischemic ADRs, immune system ADRs, pain ADRs, neurological ADRs, uh, ADRs involving loss of sight, hearing, speech, or smell, and pregnancy ADRs. ADR is adverse drug reaction. Um, Report goes on to say, we are aware of the limitations of pharmacovigilance data and understand that information on reported adverse drug reactions should not be interpreted as meaning that medicine in question generally causes the observed observed effect or is unsafe to use, yet blah, blah, blah. According to the recent paper by Senef and Nye, potential acute and long-term pathologies include pathogenic priming, multi-system inflammatory disease and autoimmunity, allergic reactions and anaphylaxis, antibody-dependent enhancement, activation of latent viral infections, neurodegenerative and prion diseases, emergence of novel variants and SARS-CoV-2, integration of the spike protein gene into human DNA, all of which is just terrible um Mm -hmm. to put it lightly to basically fight a cold or flu yeah more or less um it's interesting that they talk about antibody dependent enhancement because that's one of the things that was actually um interesting about the um the what do they call it paradoxical um, reaction when um, you get a vaccine for something um, that's supposed to increase the immunity um, and make your body more able to fight the thing, but then when it actually comes into contact with the wild virus, has a paradoxical effect of it actually being worse. It ends up having worse effects on you. And they've seen that in a number of animal models, and that used to be the one limiting factor for um, COVID vaccines, why there never was a vaccine for the common cold, because they were finding in animal models that they were always getting this paradoxical reaction um, where the animals would seem they would be producing antibodies and everything would seem to be going fine when they did the the tests on them and stuff like that. But when they actually exposed them to the virus, they had way, way worse outcomes than if they had just come into contact with it without having been vaccinated. Yeah. And this is, this, this, this concept is that, you know, uh, immediately upon having the vaccine, you may not necessarily have any detrimental effects. There may not be any adverse reactions. It's a certain time later upon re-exposure to another virus or to the same virus or to a variant of the same virus, um, the antibodies that one has developed actually become pathogenic. Mm. Ordinarily, we think of antibodies as um, protective, uh, in this case, antibodies almost, uh, it was like fl- throwing fuel onto the fire of the infection. Um, and it was the animals which had the highest antibody counts had the most severe reactions and, and ultimately death um, because what the antibodies were doing was increasing or enhancing the immune response. And it was the immune response, which or this cytokine storm, which was basically killing the animals, right? So... That's something which is definitely not off the cards. Like it's something that could still happen uh, come autumn, come winter time, when you know the Western world does actually enter into or the nor- northern hemisphere. Let's say 
does enter into into flu flu season, uh, it's entirely possible that that could happen when we are re-exposed to these kind of um, ordinary kind of different types of coronaviruses, influenza, etc. I mean, it's it's uh, it's unknown. There are some doctors who would say that they don't think that's going to happen. I believe um, one of the doctors that McCullough interviewed not long ago, mm. earlier on in July, his name's Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. He is under the impression that this is a, a, a very real risk mm. and that you, know, you could see uh, masses amounts of people dying uh, through coming into contact with um with ordinary kind of generally benign, relatively benign viruses later on down the line. Mm. They call it the pathogenic priming. Is that correct? Mm. That's what they're. So you're basically just setting the body up for a perfect storm when it is. Any illness comes along. It sounds like. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, Particularly, particularly, in regards to the infection anyway. Um, mm. Now, I mean, there's there's also some other evidence which would suggest that underlying pathology, so for instance, brain tumors, um, some of the genetic conditions which previously were un- or let's say not non-really-manifested, like they weren't causing any issues for someone after having the vaccine, there's a couple of people who've um, who've who found out that they actually had. I can't find the article here. There's a particular like a an an heritable genetic condition um, which was seemingly triggered by uh, by the vaccine and by the vaccine alone. Um, and then there's also there was a there's a couple of case reports. There's one case report which was finding that. Um, which explained uh, like the association between uh, between getting the vaccine and then um, having strong neurological reactions. There were like three or four individuals in this case report having strange neurological reactions, uh, dizziness, um, neuro- neuropathy, uh, various other neurological type symptoms, and um, and going in for scans and, and finding that they'd actually had a you know, like a brain tumor, which maybe not have not had been caused by the vaccine, but had it, it was thought by the researchers that the, the, the vaccine potentially made it a lot worse um, in that it had increased the inflammation and potentially increased the edema around the uh, around the tumors. And this is one of the things um, that could kind of drive tumor growth and that could kind of allow this this um, this cancer to to uh, manifest in in symptoms uh what it is known is that the spike protein can enhance blood brain barrier permeability uh and it would seem that it can also get into the brain as well um so wherever it goes it does seem to have a tendency to cause inflammation is toxic protein so uh yeah there's pretty odd circumstances like this diseases which are or conditions which are not necessarily caused by the vaccine per se but are potentially made a lot worse because of it one of the other things that they mentioned in that um 
that British group mentions as a possibility is emergence of novel variants of SARS-CoV-2, which I thought was pretty interesting. I mean, we've come across this before. Other doctors have been um, uh, warning about this also. Um, the idea that the vaccines actually are one of the possible vectors for these new variants that are coming out. Um, one of those doctors, Jennifer Margulis, who was quoted in that past Mercola article I was talking about, says, there's strong evidence for immune escape and that inoculation under pandemic pressure with these leaky vaccines is driving the creation of more lethal mutants that are both newly infecting a, a younger age demographic and causing more COVID-related deaths across the population that would have that then would have occurred without intervention. That is, there is evidence that the vaccines are making the pandemic worse. I think that's very interesting, and I would like to see more follow-up on that. Like, what are the chances that that Delta variant is actually uh, because of vaccination? I don't know. But then they continue to blame the unvaccinated, at least in the U.S., Yeah. Uh, that the, uh, the only the unvaccinated in the U.S. are susceptible to the Delta variant. It sounds like more fe- <laughs> fear mongering to me, like scare. You know, they they haven't given up on the, the fear tactic for sure. Yeah. Speaking of the Delta variant. How Speaking of the Delta. <laughs> differentiating the Delta variant from regular novel coronavirus variant. Uh, with, the, how, with the with the with the PCR test, Tiff. <laughs> for the Delta variant. Like, did I miss a memo where the PCR said do this thing instead of that thing in order to detect the Delta variant? How are we being able to differentiate? I don't know. Question. That's a good question. <laughs> but it's yeah. interesting because um, the Delta variant is actually affecting more vaccinated people than unvaccinated people. <clears throat> that same Mercola article mm-hmm. <clears throat> said that of 33,206 Delta variant cases admitted to the hospital, 19,573 were not vaccinated. Of those 23, of those 23 died, which represents 0.1175%. <clears throat> but of the 13,633 patients who were vaccinated, with either one or two doses, 19, which is 0.1393%, died, which is an 18.6% higher death rate uh, than for those unvaccinated patients. So let me say that again. So basically, like, um, it's an 18.6% higher death rate for uh, for vaccinated patients rather than unvaccinated patients. So in other words, if you're vaccinated with one or two doses, you are 18.6% more likely to die of the Delta variant than an unvaccinated patient. Yeah. So why are people running out to get this vaccine again? I don't think it's as, as many people as the news likes to make it same. I, I <laughs> think that's there's a good case for that, yeah. But go yeah. on, Tiff. Why do you think that? Well, if you look at their numbers, like if you go and look at even just Google, where it says percentage of the population uh, vaccinated, it's not even, it's close to half, but not even quite 50% have been fully vaccinated Mm -hmm. or fully jabbed, I should say. 
So it seems like the silent majority are just holding off on getting it. Yeah. For whatever reasons that they say that it's not okay for you to have reasons for. Until they start coming door to door in the U.S. to inquire. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Volunteers. Yeah. No, I see. It wouldn't surprise me in the least to hear that they are pumping up the numbers of those who have been Mm -hmm. vaccinated. I mean, everybody knows that it's it's a good um, coercion method to make people perceive that everybody is doing it right Mm -hmm. that they and that by them not doing it they're following falling into an out group Um, so yeah it wouldn't surprise me in the least if the numbers have been grossly inflated on the number of people who are you know because the other thing is that they're trying so hard and if the numbers really were reflected um, by what they're what they're saying the number of people are who have been vaccinated I feel like there wouldn't be that kind of desperation Mm-hmm. in that that you can sense in in their uh their campaigns um you wouldn't really yeah you wouldn't really i i don't think that you would see that so much um there would be mm-hmm. still be, probably be encouragement but you know there was a whole thing with Biden saying he wanted to have x number of people vaccinated before July 4th and that didn't happen 70% 70% yeah. right what did they get but that's that's why they're going to go door to door now yeah right <laughs> and door to door is more desperate right <laughs> Way more desperate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. if. Uh, but if I do think right. all the all the information coming out, Dr. Yeaton, Dr. Malone, I mean, endless. I mean, there's a list, Dr. McCollin, you know, there's all these people coming out, Senate committee, committee hearings in the U.S. Uh, I, I think it's damage control. They're like, we got to get these people jabbed before <laughs> they start doing their due diligence um, yeah. by looking this stuff up. You know what I mean? It's like a, a rush, a rush to get it done before people um, become aware of the uselessness of it, really, you mm-hmm. know, and the extreme dangers actually yeah. associated yeah. with it that that are coming to light too. Well, in this particular article that we're talking about now, like once again, uh, the one about the British report calling for a stop in the COVID vaccines, mm-hmm. once again, it, it during this part where it says that the report goes on to say, uh, just because we share in this information, basically, about an adverse drug reaction, it should not be interpreted as meaning that the medicine in question generally causes the observed effect or is unsafe to use. Mm. After everything you just said, <laughs> you're going to say that doesn't mean it's not safe to use. I mean, yeah, don't interpret it badly. They're safe hedging. and effective, safe and effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's how they get past the censors or people taking down their articles. They have to put something like yeah. that in there. I think yeah. they so, do it in this case. I mean, because they are calling for a complete cessation of the vaccines in humans. So. You, you wouldn't think that there would be a reason to kind of hedge your argument that way, but maybe they do it so right. as not to sound too fanatical or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we're not saying necessarily that everybody who gets the shot is this is going to happen to. But, you know, if there's a chance, then we have to stop using them. It's just, yeah, a, yeah, a more balanced, do they call that? A balanced approach? I suppose, Yeah. I, I, I guess that makes sense. I mean, maybe uh, we should try that in our show. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> well, I think that's our show for today. Unless anybody had anything to add. 
Okie dokie. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for joining us today. Um, we will be back again next week with another exciting topic for you. Be sure to like and subscribe if you so desire. Thanks to my co-hosts. Thanks to Damien in the background. Who Did I introduce you at the top of the show, Damien? It's okay. People forget. Oh, sorry, man. Okay. Damien's been with us the whole time, keeping it locked down on the right. ones and twos. Sorry, Damien. <laughs> anyway, uh, join us again next week. We will see you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.